We've been talking about enemies of prayer, and last Wednesday evening, we were saying, Lord, open their eyes, Lord, open their ears, give them eyes to see, give them ears to hear, because the word believe is a verb, and I said, if you don't believe it, look it up. The word believe is a verb. It's an action word, and it means to, to act upon the word of God. So understanding this simple fact, then we come to understand that believing the word of God is simply acting on it. As we act upon the word of our government with regard to taxes, or as we might act upon the word of our banker with regard to a, an account overdrawn, we'd take immediate action. And the last few Wednesdays, we've been stuck on this 1 John 15, 7, if you abide in me, if you live in, settle down in, and take up residence in me. And my words live in, settle down in, and take up residence in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. What you desire, what you desire. So there's no believing without acting, and believing means taking possession. You see this over and over and over in the Word of God. Last Wednesday we used the illustration. In fact, we'll get to it same illustration, but we'll deal with it differently. The children of Israel and their exodus. God says, I've given you the land. Well, they send the 12 spies out and 10 of them come back talking about the giants. Tell your neighbor, the Lord's not worried about giants. You know, I think sometimes I just want to ask people, who are you serving? Well, you know, interest rates. The Lord's not worried about interest rates. Inflation. The Lord's not worried about inflation. <laughs> you, think, you think the one who spoke and the worlds came into existence is put off by inflation? No. Who are, who are you serving? But we, so we have to possess it. It was theirs. God said it was theirs. See, somebody might say, yeah, but there's giants in the land. Well, yeah, but God said it's yours. See, what are you going by? Are you going by what your eyes can see? Or are you going by what God has said? These are two completely different things, to, to, ways to operate. See, I have to possess what the word promises me. I think people have the mistaken notion that they're going to walk the aisle and come to a church like this, make a few positive confessions, and all their needs are going to be met. And they're never going to have an issue. They're never going to have a spiritual battle. Uh, it just doesn't work like that. Because as long as we are in these bodies on this planet, we will have trouble. Jesus said as much in Matthew chapter 6. There will be trouble. Tell your neighbor, there will be trouble. Tell the neighbor on the other side, there's always trouble. See, so we're, we're, we're not given an immunity card against trouble. The question is, what are we going to do about it? So we have to possess what is ours. We have to take it. Now, back then, you know, the Bible says in Matthew's gospel that the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and the forceful, the violent, in the Greek it reads, the violent men take it by force. Well, in their day, back there in the Exodus, it was violence and it was physical. In our day, it is violence, but it's not physical, it's spiritual. You know, you just have to get to where, I think sometimes God's people just have to get to where you're hacked off. And you're just not going to take it. Amen. And uh, Satan, you know, he comes around and he's trying to do his thing. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have that life more abundantly. And so he's just, he's just a thief and a destroyer. It doesn't, it doesn't really much matter to him if he's going to destroy your children, destroy your home, destroy your marriage, destroy your money. He's just a destroyer. And you just have to take the, the posture that I'm not having it. Amen. I'm going to have what God says about my life. I must take possession of what the word has promised me just like the children of Israel had to take possession of their promised land. And 
most, I think I can say accurately, most Christians don't understand that we have a promised land. Let's pick up in Hebrews 3, verse 7. Hebrews 3, 7. So as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Tell your neighbor, do not harden your heart. Tell the neighbor on the other side, do not harden your heart. As you did in the rebellion. Of course, this is the epistle to the Hebrews, wherever they might have been in the old Roman Empire, probably most likely written by the Apostle Paul. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me for 40, for 40, and for 40 years saw what I did. They tried him. They tested him. That is why I was angry with their generation and said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my way. So I declared on oath in my anger. Tell your neighbor, God's got a temper. Yeah, he's got a temper. <laughs> See, we, we think, well, he's God. He is God, but he's a person. I'm not saying he's a man, but he's a person. And as a person, he's got a personality. We're going to see in here, he talks about they never understood my ways. Last Wednesday night, I gave you a particular verse, and I talked about how people get on the wrong side of this. If a man repays evil for good, evil will never leave his house. See, people don't understand. They just think it's all mercy. You know, we're just going to all row, row, row our boat gently down the stream, and it's all mercy, and it's all forgiveness, and it's all wonderful. You need to wake the heck up. Because God is a person. And certain things really irritate him. Not just irritate him, certain things really irritate him. I'll tell you, you want to know something that really irritates him? And why I think the time is short? You want to know what really irritates him? Messing with children. And I don't see what's going on continuing very long. There's certain things that really irritate Father God. Messing with orphans. Messing with widows. There's just certain paths you shouldn't go down. Taking advantage of widows. Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't know of a faster way to hit the death button. You know, just don't do it. That is why I was angry with that generation and said their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my way. So I declared on oath in my anger. <laughs> you could go to a hundred evangelical churches for a hundred months and not find out God's got a temper. But he does. See, they just love it. <laughs> yeah, he's got a temper. We're living in this age of grace. But soon and very soon, that dispensation will come to an end. Jesus quoted Isaiah, this, or actually he read from Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But he stopped in the middle of that verse to declare the year of the Lord's good favor. He stopped in the middle of that verse. And the next phrase in Isaiah says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Why did he do that? Because... He was introducing this dispensation, the age of grace, we call it. But there's an age following this age, and that is the day of vengeance of our God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be here for that. I said, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an eyewitness to that. Amen. I want to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is why I was angry with that generation and said their hearts are not... Their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my way. So I declared in my oath, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. I don't know about you, but I don't want God saying that about me. See to it, my brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. A sinful, unbelieving heart. See, so he says, do not harden your hearts. Then he says, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly. Now notice the language. We have come to share in Christ if. We hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at first. As has just been said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And then he shifts gears in verse 16. These are some of the most important words in the New Testament. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Now, in a church like this, you often hear Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's great. That's wonderful. But that's not the whole equation. Because here we see that it's possible to hear and rebel. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? So look at the language. He's talking about rebellion. He's talking about sin. And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So he's talking about sin. He's talking about rebellion. He's talking about disobedience. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So now we have these four words, and these are synonyms. Rebellion, sin, disobedience, and unbelief. These are some of the most important verses in the New Testament, right here. All right? Now let's pick up chapter 4. You understand that when Paul wrote this, it didn't have chapter 3. Chapter 4 didn't have the verses. That was added later by the monks. So the thought continues on, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands... Now listen, that's what I'm preaching here at Faith Christian Center, and that's what I've been preaching all these years since 1984. Say it out loud. The promise, promise of, entering of entering God's rest, God's rest still, stands. still stands. And you have to understand, I look around the room, I see new people. You have to understand I got snow on the roof. I didn't start last month. I've been doing this a while. So if I've been doing this a while and, it ha and, and, and uh, evidence hasn't shown up, you ought, to, you ought to jump up and run out of here. Because if the word wouldn't work for me, what hope do you have? Living the way I live, Right? Say it again, the promise, the promise of entering God's rest, entering God's rest still, stands. still stands. And yet, people run helter-skelter, rebellion, sin, disobedience, unbelief. They run helter-skelter, and they destroy their own lives. You know, I think we give Satan too much credit. Satan did this, Satan did that. Yeah, 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 but there's a lot going on and it's just people. And they're just bringing mayhem to their own lives, bringing mayhem to their own, their own families. You know, nobody makes anybody commit adultery. I mean, sure, you know, there could be a temptation, but, you know, it's not like... You don't know this name. Back in the 60s, there was this black comedian, Flip Wilson. He was hilarious. But he, his spiel was, one of his shticks was, the devil made me do it. That's, I mean, that's what a comedian would say. But you hear it in church, you know, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't make you do it. Devil can't make you do anything. Now he can talk you into it. But he can't make you do anything. You know, my problem is when I spend uh, Wednesday listening, watching to my, my own messages and I, all that's rumbling around in my spirit, man. You know, I want to ask, but it probably wouldn't be polite. How many people here tonight are saving money? I mean, how many times has that been taught at Faith Christian Center? See, we were sitting here at the Power Lunch Saturday and I'm sure sitting there at the power lunch Saturday, there were all kinds of theories, ideas, opinions at the various tables. But at my table, everybody's in sync at my table. 
And we were talking about how if you can just pay a house off, you can do anything. Because, see, you, you spent years with that house payment, but you pay a house off, now that money's freed up. You see, you can, you, can do, you can reach some serious economic goals if you just get a house paid off. Well, I wonder how many tonight are taking action and making a, paying extra. I mean, when I started paying extra, uh, the big stretch for me was an extra 100 a month. But we took action because I heard that, I heard Dr. Frederick K.C. Price use that as a sermon illustration. I didn't even know it was possible. The thought had never crossed my mind that I could use faith and pay a house off. 1988, June of 1988, he wasn't preaching on that. He just used that as a sermon illustration. So I started throwing an extra $100 against our house. That's where we started. That's where we started. I didn't get much progress on that house because I'm not going to tell the whole story. There was a wealth transfer to us. We bought a house that was brand new, but not quite complete. Probably bought it, I don't know, at least 100,000 light, probably more than that. And uh, that was in 1991. And I set my faith. I'm going to have this house paid off before the new millennium. I'm going to have this house paid off by December 1999. And I mean, by that time, I was throwing an extra 500 a month against it. And then when any special money crossed our hands, I was throwing that against it, you know. And uh, so I'd been doing this eight years. And I was $75,000 short, sitting there. And I was thinking about it. Eight years of effort, and I'm $75,000 short. The phone rings. It's my father-in-law. He said, we decided to give you guys $75,000 for Christmas. And I said, quote, that'll work. <laughs> and we had that house paid off. Amen. See, and so I learned valuable lessons. When I, when I take action on the word of God, when I start moving in faith, when I take action in faith, he comes along and he helps me. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a house paid off. Why am I on this? I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had a house paid off, but you know what happens the month after a house is paid off? You know what you experience the month after a house is paid off? Rest. And uh, you could take that same money and you could go buy a rent house, make money with that, or you could invest it in uh, treasury bills or you know, something, whatever your thing is. See, rest doesn't just happen. I, I have to do some things today to have some rest tomorrow. You know, Austin's sitting over there, man, he's got an earned doctorate. He's so well behaved. He's like the perfect husband, the perfect father. Yeah, but man, Sue whipped his ass. <laughs> I mean, I mean, whipped his ass. It doesn't, this just doesn't happen. It just, it just doesn't happen. It's not, there's not luck. No, you know, we're not cruel. We don't use the buckle end of a belt. We never used a belt because we just did it the Bible way. Spare the rod, spoil the child. So we would go to the hardware store and buy these little dowel rods, you know, just to sting them. And then they would hide them. When we moved from that house I was just talking about, we must have found a dozen dowel rods hidden everywhere. <laughs> you know, they'd hide them, so we have to go buy more. Christina was so funny, whenever Austin was getting his whipping, she'd go hide. We found her once hiding in cabinets. She didn't want any part of it. But I'm saying, you have to take action now to enter God's rest. Can you see that? I got to do something now to enter God's rest. All right, so picking up in chapter four, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. So I discovered two things in one verse. I discovered that the promise of entering God's rest still stands, and I find out it's possible to fall short of it. 
Say it out loud. If it's possible to fall short of it, I sure don't want to fall short of it because I want to enter his rest. Amen. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. These are some of the most important words in the New Testament right here. This is it. Tell your neighbor, this is it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. See, we've also had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not combine it with faith. And we just got, well, we opened up tonight saying the word believe is a what? It's a verb. And so... They didn't take action. He's talking here about the people of God in the Exodus, what we call the Exodus. The people of God in the Exodus, and we talked about these four synonyms, sin, rebellion, disobedience, unbelief, and disobedience. What is disobedience? Disobedience is hearing the command and taking no action or hearing the command and taking a wrong action. And rebellion, sin, disobedience, unbelief. See, it's all based in unbelief. And that's what I want to get to from last Wednesday to tonight. It's all based in unbelief. It's all, say it out loud, it's all based in unbelief. It's all based in unbelief. I gave you that illustration last Wednesday night. If a man repays evil for good, evil will never leave his house. See, that's, that's true. Period. And God will enforce it because it's the word of God. But people don't believe because they do it all the time. They do it all the time. They don't believe. And so whatever scriptures the Lord is leading us to minister on at Faith Christian Center, some people take action, some people don't. Now I realize Sometimes a message will strike a chord in you. Maybe you're faster to take action on that because it struck a chord in you. But one of the reasons we encourage people to do the annual Bible reading is as you read through that Bible once a year, I mean, let's face it, man. A lady came and asked me, do you really read the book of Leviticus? And I burst out laughing. I said, yeah, I said, it's tough. And I said, but there's a, there's a, there's a nugget or two in there somewhere. Yeah, I just do it. And then every year you come across verses and you, you, could, you could sit in court and testify. I'd never read that before in my life. It's because God makes it alive to you. And sometimes the Holy Spirit makes a scripture alive to us because that's exactly what we need to take action on to turn our life around. We didn't see it before, but now we saw it. See, but they had the gospel preached to them just... Let me say it the way he said it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. You, you, and, and somebody's saying to themselves right now, yeah, but that's the Old Testament. All right. Then why did it exactly play the same way in the four gospels? He would be ministering in a synagogue on a Saturday. I mean, God himself. They didn't see it. He'd heal somebody on a Sabbath. They would choose to be offended about the day he chose to heal somebody. They missed it all. What would that be like? What would it be like to be in hell 2,000 years later and it's in front of you playing in your memory every moment of every day while you're in hell, burning in hell, that you were in the synagogue that day Jesus healed somebody and you chose not to believe. That would be hell itself. Like John 6.36 says, Jesus said to them, you see, but you don't believe. So this is not just an Old Testament principle. It's a principle. It's a principle that transcends covenants. It's a principle that transcends dispensations. And that is to hear and not mix it with faith. And what is faith? What is believing? Believing is a what? 
Believing is a verb. So when I hear the word, now, twice he used the phrase, do not harden your hearts. So when I hear the word and I choose, <laughs> that reminds me of the power lunch Saturday, I will to not take action on that word I just heard. What am I doing? I'm hardening my heart. And we can do this in any, any area of life. You know you should be gentle with your wife and speak kindly to your wife. Maybe people have exhorted you on this. and You just, you just harden your heart. You just get harder and harder and harder. And over time, you're, you just get to be like a rock inside. Whatever, whatever the issue is, whatever word you're hearing, whatever encouragement you're hearing, whatever admonition you're hearing, And the problem with that is, see, there's going to come a point, look, everybody looks healthy to me, but there's going to come a point in everybody's life, I mean, you could be here tonight, and you could have all your needs met, and you could be in good health, but everybody here tonight will come to a point in life where you need God. And if you've hardened your heart for five years, 10 years, 15 years, how are you going to reach them? How can he talk to you? You know, we saw in the Miracle Sunday, Jesus told them 10 lepers to go and show themselves to the priests. And some of the most fascinating words in the entirety of the Bible, as they went, they were healed. As they went, as they went, what if they had disobeyed? A lot of people I know would have been, been offended he didn't lay hands on him. Didn't, man, you know, been like Naaman the leper. He didn't lay hands on me. He didn't come out. He didn't talk to me. Uh, you know, he didn't anoint me with oil. Didn't give me any individualized, personalized attention. <laughs> they wouldn't have been healed as they went. They were healed. What, what, what was, how could, what, what adjectives could we use to describe as they went? Action, what else? They obeyed. This is probably the only church in the Metroplex on this Wednesday night where the word obey and obedience are being used. But he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. As they what? Obeyed, or we could say as they took action, right? Every time we hear the word, and, uh, <laughs> I'm just following the Lord a lot of times. You think, man, he's meddling. Well, the Lord's messing with you. So, you know, we're up in Missouri and we go to church with Derek and Christina over two Sundays and we weren't really prepared. I mean, I don't carry checks and uh, I, I don't like my cash going down when I'm traveling, so I don't like using cash. So uh, Sue grabbed an offering envelope. And so when we got back home in Mansfield, you know, I wrote out a nice check and, uh, and sent it up there. Why? Because I never, never, never sit under the word and not give money. Never. Ain't going to happen. So if I'm sitting under the word and I, hear, and, I, and I hear the word, now I'm not saying give great big money, but it's a habit. And I think it's part of making sure that my heart is right before the Lord. Also, 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 I want to sow a seed. See, in other words, I heard the word, now I want to sow a seed. And then also, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't mean to be rugged, but I do mean to repeat him. <laughs> I don't want to be a grifter. You know, I mean, it, I wouldn't even think the thought of going over here to McDonald's and 
you know, getting water out of the machine and going in and using the restroom and then leaving and not buying anything. That thought would never enter my mind. And so I, I got to take action. I've got to. I must. I'm praying Thursday, last Thursday. And I'm praying about wisdom. And the Lord reminded me of something he spoke to me about when I was in Missouri. Again, I wasn't really prepared. I didn't have a printer. And so I stopped praying. It's one of the very, I mean, I, I generally won't stop praying. I stopped praying. I went in the house and I wrote out two checks to two different ministers and wrote a nice letter and walked down to the box and put them in the box. Why? Because I've learned I don't need to pray about money. I need to pray for wisdom. If I have wisdom, I don't need money. The money just comes. But it's interesting, isn't it? So I'm praying about wisdom, and the Lord reminds me about two giving situations that he had spoken to me about when I was not prepared. But now I'm back home. So I, what, what do I do? I take action. Somebody might say you're talking about yourself a lot. Well, I could talk about your business, but then you probably wouldn't come back. <laughs> so the only business I know to talk about and not offend anybody is my own. Amen. Rest. Say rest. rest. Say rest. rest. I want to live in his rest. I don't want to live in trouble. I don't want to live in mayhem. I don't want to live in strife. I don't want to live in it with a bunch of anxiety. In other words, they didn't take action on the word they heard preached to them. Some of the most important words in the New Testament. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Now, we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Again, now we who have believed, and be the word believe is a what? The word believe is a what? It's a verb. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. See, the work is done. This is what people simply do not understand. And let me tell you what, if you're here tonight, you're praying about a healing and you have in your mind that you need God to do something, your posture is wrong. The work's done. The work's done. The work's done. How would you act? See, here it is. How would you act if some doctor gave you a clean bill of health? How would you act if some doctor said you were with child? How would you act? So we take action on man's word. But when it comes to the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the master of the universe, we have some kind of a moral qualm about taking action on his word. Act like it's done. What would you do? What would you do if you knew it was done? What would you do? How would you act? But see, this beggar mentality is kind of addictive, and, and everybody out here has got it, seems like. Now, we who have believed, we who take action on the word of God enter that rest. Now, I'm not saying it will happen by Monday. It happens over time. And you know, this old world out here, they've got all these young people expecting to have what their parents had when they're in their 20s without putting in four or five decades of work. It's just not realistic. And their solution is to, to vote commie because they're covetous and they want what the other guy's got. 
And they simply do not understand that there, there'll never be any long-term blessing in coveting what the other man's got. And they vote for all this, you know, for the government to take from somebody else to give them something, and they don't understand that by the time the government gets done laundering the money, 83% of it went missing. It's just better to look to God, to please God, to live a life pleasing to God, to do things God's way, and to enter God's rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. So if I'm praying about healing, my position is not that I'm trying to get God to do something. No, I'm, I'm taking action on, and confession is not the only way we take action on the Word of God, but confession is one way we take action on the Word of God. So I talk like and I act like I'm well. I talk like and I act like uh, Jesus took up my infirmities and bore away my diseases, and with his stripes I've already been healed. Amen. Amen. And I always talk about it in the past tense. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just slap a part of my body and say, you know, I'm healed. Jesus did that. Amen. Yeah, it's done. Satan's a liar. He's a deceiver. But I'm not falling for it. Amen. 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 Yeah, pastor, you could die to that. Look, we're all going to die. I just want to believe God and live for God and go out right. And this is a whole lot less work. I don't care what anybody says. It's just a whole lot less work. You borrowed any money lately? The paperwork. Unbelievable. But when you write a check, there's not much paperwork. been to a doctor's office lately three years later they're all still paranoid three years three years later it's crazy by the CDC's own data on this uh, new variant vaccine if they administer a million doses by the CDC's own data, if they administer a million doses, they might save one teenager's life, but between 100,000 and 200,000 will have a serious side effect. And people think I'm crazy for believing God. You talk about, you talk about rolling the dice. 100,000, 200,000, that's 10 to 20%. We're not talking about 1 or 2%. We're talking about 10 or 20. Believing God is so easy. <laughs> it's so easy. It's almost ridiculous. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, my daddy, my holy father. Jesus prayed, John 17, 17, Father, thy word is truth. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Austin mentioned Facebook. You know, Zuckerberg's in Washington right now. That's probably why the whole thing went down. He's meeting with the CIA. They're talking about, you know, how they're going to regulate all of our speech and all of that. We find out that just this week the CIA was paying media companies to suppress information in 2020, 2021. Your tax dollars hard at work. Your tax dollars hard at work. It's amazing. It's all lies. All of it's lies. I mean, just because I put a skirt on wouldn't make me a woman. It's all lies. Right? My grandson used to have some Superman pajamas. That didn't make him Superman. You know, just because you play dress up, and that's what the world's doing. It's all lies. It's all lies. You know how you get dialed into reality? Go out to Parker County. Put two bulls in a pasture. See what happens. Or put two heifers in a pasture. See what happens. Well, if the two bulls, at least you'll have a fight. <laughs> at least it'd be interesting. But I'm saying there'd be, there'd be no money made. There'd be no offspring. 
You can believe whatever you want. You could put a skirt on the bull. <laughs> it, it's, it's madness. It's madness. You know, this whole thing of, well, it was hot this summer. Well, I wish, some, I wish y'all paid more taxes so it'd cool down. It's madness. They're cutting, they cut down, I think it was 30 million trees in Scotland to put up solar uh, panels and wind farms. It was only a few years ago, trees were sacred. Right? It's madness. It's all madness. Only what God has said stands the test of time. Only what God has said will stand and last forever. So the easiest thing is to believe him. Seems to me. Just believe what he has said. Well, I really went down this road and got forged in it was in 1989 on money because we weren't making it. We had moved from the hotel to that first building up there at I-30, and there was a recession, a nasty recession in Texas, followed the stock market crash in 1987, and, and here it was also the recession was brutal on the oil industry and real estate, and we weren't making it. And I just had, man, I just got Philippians 4.19. I mean, I just got it steeled into my heart. S-T-E-E-L-E-D. I mean, and I would stand up and say, the Lord my God's meeting all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And some people that might have known some things, because, you know, if people know something, they'll tell it. And they said, Pastor, you're, you're not really telling the truth. You're saying all of, our need, all of your needs are met. We know you're not making it. Yeah, well. So my, my answer to them was, how can I repeat what God has said and tell a lie? He says all of my needs are met, so all of my needs are met. And by and by, didn't happen in a week, didn't happen in a month, didn't happen in six months. But over time, over time, over time, all those, un, all those uh, that, that, that list three pages, single space of accounts payable, it all got knocked out, all got paid. But I've been walking in it a while now. And so... See, I've, I've entered his rest. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it is sweet. The rest of God is sweet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. What's the next phrase? And he addeth no sorrow to it. See, that's the rest of God. Because we all know people and they got money, but man, they got troubles. The blessing of the Lord. So picking back up in verse four, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Verse six, it still remains that some will enter that rest. You know, we don't know for sure. We do know how many fighting men there were that crossed, that left Egypt and headed out toward the promised land. But it was about 2 million people, maybe 3 million people, depending on how many children they had with them. And out of all of that bunch, only two full-grown men made it. Caleb and Joshua, even Moses, did not make it. It still remains that some will enter that rest. Some. Some. You know, I'm an older man now. But when I was a young man, words like that caught my attention. The way I'm hardwired, when I read the word some in the New Testament, guess what group I want to be in? Talk to me. If I, if, if I read the word some in the New Testament, what, guess what group I want to be a part of? Some. I don't want to be in the other than some. Some enter that rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. <laughs> Listen, you, gotta, you have to understand who you're, who you're dealing with. The Apostle Paul wrote, it still remains that some will enter that rest and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. And somebody could say, well, Pastor Gene, 
you know, that you reading those words could hurt church attendance because, you know, people don't want to hear that in 2023. And my answer is, I don't care. You know why? Because I'm living in rest. See, I'm not all stressed out. I don't, I don't have to have X people here Sunday. I don't have to take in X dollars Sunday because I'm living in his rest. And you know how I got to his rest? By doing the opposite of sin, disobedience, rebellion, and unbelief. By taking action on the written word of God, I got to rest. Amen. I could come down here on Sunday and I could get a chair up there and I could take a nap and $125,000 would come in. It makes no difference. A message people like, here comes the money. A message they don't like, here comes the money. It just happens. Pastor, you're bragging. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. I'm bragging tonight on the word of God. If we will just exercise will and do things God's way, we get God's results. In our marriage, in child rearing. I'm horrified at what I see with my eyes. Let me give you one verse that churches don't follow at all. The Apostle Paul said, know them that labor among you. Now, back when we started doing this and we have a voucher system and so we have to sign off on anybody helping in any area, that seemed kind of tight. But in 2023, don't you want anybody that has anything to do with your children to have passed muster with Pastor Sue? Absolutely. How about every teacher at St. Paul's? Don't you, don't you want every teacher at St. Paul's to have gotten past Pastor Sue? Absolutely. Know them that labor among you. See, and because we take action on that, we live in rest. We live in the rest of God. We're not gonna, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna get a text tomorrow that somebody's teaching communism or whatever here at St. Paul's. Says, hey, it's not gonna happen. And if it does, well, we have a solution for that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. See, say it out loud. Taking action, Taking action. On, the word of God on the Word of God leads to rest. Leads to rest. It still rest. remains that some will enter that rest and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Well, if, if, I, if I find out that disobedience will keep me from entering the rest of God, well, I'm not going to be disobedient because I want the rest of God. Therefore, God has again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today. If you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Third time that phrase is used. Must be a big deal. Tell your neighbor, must be a big deal. Do not harden your hearts, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Say it out loud. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every and there's another taboo word in the modern church. Actually, it's a taboo word in the modern American culture. Therefore, let us make every what? Effort. Effort to enter that rest. So in 1989, you've heard this story a thousand times. You know, I was at 5 a.m. prayer. I thought I was praying. I wasn't praying. I was complaining. And I told the Lord, I said, I'm tired of not ever having any money. And he didn't say, son, I got you covered. FedEx will be there by 10 o'clock. There'll be a bag of money. No, no. He said, son, you never have any money because you never save any money. The book, the book of Proverbs deals with saving. He said, son, you don't ever have any money because you never save any money. He said, save something every seven days, even if it's only $5, which is a lifestyle pattern. And what does it take to, to do that? It takes will. It takes will power. 
like we talked about Saturday. And he said, he said, you know, talk about moralizing. He said, when you spend more money than you take in, he said, it's a sin to spend more money than you take in. And he said, and this is 1989, he said, that makes your government the biggest sinner of them all. And so I started saving money, and some, some weeks it was $5, both at home and in the ministry. Here a few months back, statements come at the end of the month, and I'm, I'm filing these statements in the, the bin I use during the course of the year. And he whispered to me, and he said, somebody went crazy saving money. Yeah, save money for me, save money for Austin, save money for Christina, save money for seven grandchildren. And we just, we, just went, we just went crazy saving money. And then not just save it, multiply it. Amen. All right, so in 1989, when he did not tell me what I wanted to hear, And by anyone's definition, he sent me no answer. And the way I understand the Bible, he actually, in 1989, rebuked me. I could have been offended. I could have taken up offense at God. I mean, he left me hanging. There was no money, no special money, just a rebuke. How do you like that, buddy? No answer, no solution, just a rebuke. See, it's all about 100%, absolutely, totally about what you do with what God has said. That's what it's about, and that's all it's about. The rest of it's noise. It's like static on the radio. What has God said, and what are you doing about it? Now, you all are going to get after me for going long, but it is not my fault because that clock died in the middle of my message. (laughs) 